Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it be blessed by the Lord their God. Well, today we are jumping into something new. During the weeks leading up to Easter, we will be looking at the Psalms. The Psalms are an interesting portion of God's word, for they they were the hymnal of ancient Israel. And that being the case, they had more than one human author. Therefore, throughout the Psalms, you will encounter different stylistic approaches to poetry and music. And each psalm will carry with it a different theme as well. One could be a song of wisdom, while another may be a lament, and yet a third will be a praise of thanksgiving. And even though each psalm could stand on its own, we find that there are some psalms that connect with each other. It is similar to a a musical, where each song progresses the story. And so we begin today with Psalm 1, which is really the first of a pair. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are in unison, establishing an overall theme for the whole book of Psalms. Now, Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm, and its focus is on the heart of the individual. Psalm 2, on the other hand, it it broadens the scope of man's rebellion. And it speaks to nations and and kings concerning the corporate sins of men. These two psalms also use a literary device called an inclusio. Inclusios basically act as bookends, bracketing a message. Typically, they'll express the, the main point that the author wants to communicate. Psalm 1 begins with a blessing upon the individual, while Psalm 2 ends with a blessing upon the people. Being that this is wisdom literature, Psalm 1's goal is to instruct the reader on a course of action that a blessed man would take. And it does so by means of comparison. 
it, it contrasts a number of positive and negative pairings, as you shall soon see. Now, Psalm 1 has a simple outline. Verses 1 through 3 describe the blessed man. Can we get that outline up there? There you go. So Psalm verses 1 through 3 describe the blessed man. Verses 4 and 5, the wicked. And finally, in verse 6, we see how God interacts with each one. And Psalm 1 has its own inclusio as well. Verses 1 and 2 work with verse 6 to bookend this psalm. Look at this next slide. What we see in verse 1 is a call to disassociate oneself with the wicked. And in verse 2, the reader is commended to associate with God. And then in verse 6, we see the inverse. First, God associates himself with the godly. And finally, he disassociates himself with the wicked. And this, this is the main thrust of this psalm. God is instructing the reader that, that his blessing comes to those who befriend him. Let's dive into the text and see what God has to teach us. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. The first word we see in the whole book of Psalms is blessed. And in many ways, this is the goal of the Psalms. They are written to bless the reader. Now, a blessing is a gift from God. It is not something that can be earned. Rather, it is God bestowing upon the person a gift that is not deserved. Now, blessings also evoke emotions of joy and gladness. In fact, some of the translations uh, that we have today, they use the word happy in place of blessed. So happy is the man. And the reason they do that is because that is really the message that the author is trying to convey. But which man is blessed? Which man is this happy man? The, psalm begins his, the psalmist begins his description with three negative statements. Blessed is a man who does not. And here the, the reader is harkened back to another portion of God's word a section that we read earlier during our confession. Verses that express ten thou shall nots. The Ten Commandments from Exodus 20 express the, the fundamental laws of God. These were the things that the Jews were supposed to shun. You shall have no other God before me. You shall not steal. You shall not murder. You shall not covet. And so forth. God had expressed to the people of Israel that if they followed these commands, then he would bless them among all the nations, making them prosper prosperous in, in the promised land. And so here in this first psalm, we see a similar message. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, 
or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. It is a reminder to Israel of the covenant that God had made with them at Mount Sinai. Just as they were to avoid those ten evil practices, so now this blessed man avoids such wickedness. And notice, too, that these verbs are used by the psalmist. There's three verbs. There's, There's walk, stand, and sit. This is what Julie talked about earlier in, in the children's moment. It is, it is a language that's indicating all aspects of our lives, whether you're walking or whether you're standing or whether you are sitting. You should avoid such evil. And we see also that these categories are progressive in nature as well. To walk in another's counsel is to be a follower of those who practice wickedness. And to stand in the way or the manner of sinners is to practice these evil things for oneself. And to sit in the seat of mockers demonstrates a position of leadership as well as an unmoving stubbornness against God. This is how things progress, is it not? A person will first take up a friendship with a, with a bad seed and learn from their example. Eventually, that person, person's conscience will become weary and the guilt will lessen and those acts of evil will get easier and easier to do. And finally, that person's conscience will become seared. They will mock the God who condemns them calling the ways of the Lord foolishness. And they themselves will will lead others astray by their words of deception and cunning. We saw this in our first scripture reading. Proverbs 14, verses 6 through 9 says this, The mocker seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge comes easily to the discerning. Stay away from a foolish man, for you will not find knowledge on his lips. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Fools mock at making amends for sins, but goodwill is found among the upright. Ask yourself, who are the people that you follow? Would you consider them godly or wicked? And after taking up such a friendship, do you now do things that you once considered sinful? Has your attitude towards God changed? Do you mock those who desire to stay true to God's word? Or are you like the blessed man who avoids such people? Let's continue. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Here we see the the contrast with verse 1. This is a positive aspect of the blessed man. His delight is in the law of the Lord. 
Now, the Hebrew word for law is Torah. And Torah is one of those words where context is key. Its basic definition is law or instruction. But it also has been used to reference the Ten Commandments or the first five books of Moses, as well as the whole of the Old Testament. From from the context of this passage, it is difficult to know which the psalmist is referring to. Perhaps all four. Yet, Yet these four definitions, they're so interrelated to one another that the same message comes across. This blessed man delights in God's instruction. The Bible is his great desire. In in the same way that that a man delights in the wife of his youth, so too this man finds pleasure in reading God's word. It brings him joy and satisfaction, so much so that he meditates on it day and night. In the ancient Near East, the, the people were raised in an oral culture. So meditation had, had this meaning. It was when something was read aloud to them, and then they would ponder over it throughout their day. So perhaps you are a shepherd. You would listen to a section of scripture early that morning, and then as you went about your business, herding your sheep, you would mull it over in your mind. Meditation in this context is not emptying oneself of his or her thoughts like the Eastern religions try to teach you. In fact, it's it's the exact opposite. It is to fill one's mind with Scripture. It is to consider all of God's words and its ramifications on your own life. And the way the psalmist describes it here, it is a constant reflection on God's word as you're going about your daily business. Think about someone who is in love for the first time. What did they spend their time doing? Obsessing over the person they love, right? I mean, that's their focus. When when Kim and I first started dating, she, she was all I ever thought about. I learned her schedule and tried to figure out how to maximize our time together. And when we were apart, I I would lose focus on the task at hand and daydream about her. (laughs) All right. But this is what the psalmist is trying to communicate. The, The blessed man has fallen so in love with God that he goes over every word that the Lord has spoken to him. He can't help himself. He's love-struck. Ask yourself, does this describe you? Are, Are you infatuated with the Lord your God so much so that you are constantly thinking about his words? Verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. 
The psalmist now paints a picture of health and vitality of this blessed man. In a land that, that is without abundant rainfall, a tree planted near a stream would have flourished. And this would be made evident by its plentiful fruit and green leaves that were growing. And this man who delights in God's law, he becomes a valuable member to his community. I mean, think about it. How, how does it benefit a tree to grow fruit? An apple tree doesn't have any use for its own apples. Rather, the apples, they bring sustenance and merriment to those who, who partake of it. Similarly, this blessed man brings life and goodness to those around him. Now, the leaves, on the other hand, they do help the tree grow. They catch the rain and the rays of sun, giving energy to the branches and the trunk. What, what we see in this word picture is that God brings to this blessed man prosperity, both for himself and for his neighbor. Just as God promised the Israelites prosperity within their land if they would follow his commands, so too this blessed man experiences richness in his own life because he delights in God's word. Verse 4, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. The wicked are not like this blessed man. They are not fruitful. They do not bloom. Rather, they are described as chaff. Now, chaff is a common metaphor that is used throughout Scripture. It symbolizes death and decay. It is a, a lightweight uh, substance, uh, really offering no substance at all. And when it's tossed in the air, the, the wind will blow it away, separating it from the life-giving grain. There's no use for it. In fact, if, if it remains, it ruins the crop, for, for humans cannot digest it. And that is why we read this in verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Here we see in verse 5, the psalmist using repetition for emphasis. He wants to make sure that the reader understands the consequence of the wicked. Now this word that he uses, assembly, is found frequently in the books of Moses. It describes times when, when the people of Israel would come together to worship Yahweh. And to enter into the assembly, a person would have to first be cleansed from their sins. There was a whole ceremony with water and the ashes of a red heifer without blemish. However, if a person did not purify himself, then he would be cut off from the assembly. In other words, they were under the judgment of God. This is the fate of those who sit in the seat of mockers, those who turn their back on God's law. They are under his 
judgment and will be cast out of the assembly of his people. Verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As I mentioned in the beginning, this verse matches up with verses 1 and 2. In verse 1, we saw that the blessed man does not associate with sinners. And then in verse 2, we saw that the blessed man does associate with his God. And now here, we see that God associates with the righteous, but he disassociates himself from the wicked. Now what the NIV translates as watches over comes from the Hebrew word yada. And yada means to know. It is the same word that the Bible uses when describing the, the intimate relationship between a husband and wife. It is that connectedness that comes with a deep understanding of one another. This is how God is with the blessed man. He knows the ways of the righteous because the righteous walk in his path. Not so the wicked. Their path is far from God. And for that reason, their ways will perish. For they have ignored God's word and mocked his law. There is no fruit within them. They're like chaff in the wind. In the beginning of my sermon, I mentioned that Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. And wisdom literature has a tendency to describe ideals. They will contrast two extremes. There is this blessed man who, who loves the Lord, his God, with all of his heart. And then there is a mocker who hates God. Dear friends, if you are honest with yourself, you will find that you do not fit into either category. There will be times in your, in your life when you are like that blessed man. You will be so passionately zealous for God and his word that you will continuously be in scripture and meditating on it. But there will also be times when you walk in the counsel of the wicked. Your sinful nature will take hold and you will reject God's word. So which are you? Are you the blessed man? Or are you the mocker? Listen, wisdom isn't about following a bunch of rules. It, it is about being intimately connected with your God. That's why the psalmist describes the blessed man as delighting in God's word. Remember, a blessing is a gift. It's not something that you earn. God desires to bless the man whom he loves. Therefore, when you find yourself avoiding evil, it is God who is blessing you. And when you are taking delight in God's word, it is God who is blessing you. Wisdom starts 
and ends with God. It is Him who is working through you. But there was a man who loved God more than any other. And so he was blessed more than any other man. He did not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And he meditated on God's law day and night. He was like that tree planted by the stream of water. Everyone he touched benefited from his fruit. And yet, it was he that stood in judgment. He was cast out of the assembly, for he took upon himself the penalty for all who walk in the counsel of the wicked. He paid the price for all who stand in the way of sinners. And as they nailed him upon the cross, and as they mocked him, He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Brothers, sisters, Christ is this blessed man for you. Each time you sin, it is a rejection of God's word. Every transgression that you commit is a mockery against your Lord. Jesus lived the life that you failed to do, and he died in your place in order that you can be blessed. Repent of your sins and trust in him. Without Christ, you will not stand in the judgment. Without Jesus... You will be cut off from the assembly of the righteous. But if you look to Christ, then God will watch over your way. He will instill within you a delight in his law. And you will be blessed. Let us pray. Father, we confess that too often we are not like this blessed man. For we do do not love you enough to meditate on your word day and night. And we sit in the seat of mockers and are cut off accordingly. That's why we need your son, that truly blessed man. Only he can restore our love for you through his mighty work upon the cross. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit, we pray, and aid us as we listen to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.